Broadcasting live from Global Headquarters at RP Enterprises in Greenwood, Missouri. Stand by on this frequency. After 22 years of entertaining FM radio listeners across the U.S., across the U.S., this man is the owner and executive producer of the award-winning Heartland Waterfowl on Sportsman's Channel, CEO and founder of Dumar Chemical Solutions, and the man behind the mic of Papa Ron Radio Voiceovers and Production. He's the man, the myth. The legend, a global icon, future Nobel Prize winner, and of course he paid me to say all this. Really? Literally. Welcome to the Papa Ron Podcast. Here's your host, Ronnie Phillips. Ronnie Phillips. All right, we're back. It's another episode of the Papa Ron Podcast. <laughs> of course, it's like become tradition to start each podcast like that, right? Welcome to another episode, episode 12, as we continue to roll with the changes, baby. <laughs> so I make this the theme song of the Papa Ron Podcast because if you didn't listen to episode one, there was a reason why and how this podcast got started, and it had nothing to do with some burning desire inside for me to get back into this radio thing or or become a celebrity or anything like that. It was because I actually experienced something in my life that um, that a friend, a friend of mine, who is also very involved with the video production of this podcast, uh, pursued me and pushed me to... Um, to start a podcast, thinking that maybe it could be therapy or some sort of medicine for me to get back on my feet. And I'm really glad he did because one, I'm having a lot of fun doing this podcast. And two, it is, it has been therapeutic, not only for my own self, but knowing that the podcast has helped others. So as we get this podcast started, this is going to be a little bit different than the first 11 episodes because there is no guest. Today's podcast, this this week's podcast, is with yours truly exclusively, and we're going to uh, kind of unpack a few things here. This will likely be a very short podcast. In fact, one of the reasons why I'm not able to do a guest or have a guest with uh, this podcast this week is, one... Uh, life is just getting in the way. Three kids and all these activities and, and just everything that is going on has just made it hard for me to hone in and focus on, you know, the all that's involved with preparing for a podcast with a guest. I mean, it's more than just showing up to the studio, sitting down and then turning on the mic and start BSing. I mean, there's some research that I like to do. I like to not take down some notes, have some structure and kind of know where the direction of this conversation is going to go. And then you got to find the person who's got a compelling story, right? And so uh, with everything that's involved with planning a week uh, for the week that it takes to, to plan for the podcast and then just life getting in the way, um, unable to get a guest for this week. And the other reason is, um, and we're going to dive into this a little bit more, but uh, I, I refer to Marathon Media Management quite a bit. I, I refer to Dakota Thurn. And Quentin Verlinick, he's also known as Q, so I'll refer to him as Q through most of this. Um, very, very, uh, very influential with me starting this podcast and very encouraging and supportive as they come over once a week, in most cases, to um, help be a part of the show, maybe just help in the background with the video support or just more or less being cheerleaders, just like to lift their friend up uh, to help him with the help me with this new venture. So, um, 
they actually have their own pod- podcast called The Juice. Now, if you search for it on any of your favorite podcast platforms, um, you might come across a couple different ones, um, but you're going to be looking for The Juice Podcast. I think it's got an orange background to it, like a juice box with the straw kind of coming out of it at an angle. And so they have had me on their podcast before. And in fact, they had me on it just before I launched my podcast, whatever it's been, 12 weeks ago, 13 weeks ago. And they've asked me to come back. And so I'm actually recording their podcast with them tonight. Uh, And I would highly encourage you. I mean, they talk about a wide variety of things from hunting to music. I mean, they're younger, right? So they're in their mid-20s and and they they cover a lot of generational topics for those who are in that age group. But um, but it's going to be a lot of fun because I'm sure we're going to talk about my my story. We're going to talk about... Uh, Heartland Waterfowl. I'm sure we'll talk about music and my days in radio. So that'll be fun. Be looking for that. An episode with yours truly on the Juice Podcast. We're recording that tonight. I imagine it'll come out uh, probably on Friday. Um, Friday, the so today's Thursday, the 28th. So it'll probably come out Friday, the 29th. All right. So let's get this podcast started. Again, this isn't going to be unlike any of the other podcasts that we've done before. I've done before. Um, I kind of wanted to do a few different things here. The very um, the most popular podcast that I have done to date is the very first one. The second most popular one I did was the Kelsey Smith story. Um, obviously for two different reasons that there's been of a lot of attention to those two particular podcasts. I think that the first podcast is naturally going to be the best one because it's the first one that came out. So there's more opportunity for it having been out there the longest, um, more opportunity for more people to listen to it. Right. But it was my story and it was a very uh, humbling experience for me to come open with everything that I experienced. We'll get into that again in just a little bit, but, um, there were that, that message, my story in particular resonated with a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people. Now I'm not going to sit here and try to exaggerate it and tell you it was thousands of people or millions of people or anything like that. It was, and it was probably, I don't know, 20, 30 people. So, I mean, first time podcaster, 20, 30 people reach out to you and say, Hey, um, I am so grateful that you told your story because I can relate to it. Or, the, the, some of the other things I heard were um, or read were, I can't walk into work right now because I can't stop crying. I'm wiping tears off my face listening to you tell your story because you know, I can relate to it. Um, I've heard the term life-changing being thrown around. Like, oh my gosh, thank you for telling your story. I have also been internalizing depression and anxiety and have often felt uh, that I was at the end of my road AKA considered suicide. And, um, and now that I've heard somebody like yourself, Ronnie, who has gone through the same thing and you're being open about it and you're talking about how destructive it was to internalize, I realize now that I need to talk about it. I need to no longer feel the shame and hold all of these, these emotions that I can't control within. I'm going to talk to my wife about it. I'm going to talk to my husband about it. I'm going to go talk to my parents or my friends. And so these are just some of the things that I learned and, and felt in the process of that very first podcast called uh, Internalizing the Result. Now, the, the Kelsey Smith story, holy moly, that was probably the longest podcast that I've done yet. It was over three hours. And for those who don't know, the Kelsey Smith story, back in 2007, Kelsey Smith, who had just graduated from high school uh, in Overland Park, 
She was on her way to a Target store at about 7 o'clock in the evening. So this is in June, I believe, of 2007. And, you know, it's still very bright out. It's summertime, right? So the sun is still out. So in broad daylight, she's abducted in front of a, a Overland Park, which is a suburb for those maybe listening outside of Kansas City, a suburb of Kansas City. Very metropolis, lots of people around, um, right in broad daylight, abducted in front of the Target in the parking lot. Um, where she was then taken to a remote location and she was raped and murdered. And so her parents, who I've been friends with since um, Kelsey's passing, uh, Greg and Missy Smith came into studio to go deep, deep, deep into all of the particulars that went into their daughter's case from the abduction to, you know, the evidence and identifying the, um, the suspect and then prosecuting the suspect to eventually trying to turn a positive into or a negative into a positive rather with passing the Kelsey Smith act, which is a uh, piece of legislation that they're trying to get passed in all uh, 50 States. I think it's been passed in roughly, I'm going to screw this up now. I think it's about 30. So there's like 20 left. And, um, and the hope so is that by passing that act, it gives legislation the ability that if when, and if somebody goes missing, and I guess at the discretion of law enforcement that they would be able to reach out to the cell phone companies that would then be able to ping those cellular devices to find the whereabouts of the cell phone in hopes that they would then be able to identify the whereabouts of the body or that person who has gone missing. So um, there's a lot of gory details that that they get into. And then the grape talks about his PTSD anyway. So I, I, I bring all of that, that up to say is that we've had a, I've had a, a diverse, a lot of diverse subject matters. You know, we've talked about PTSD. We've talked about a, a murder story. We've talked about depression, anxiety. We've talked about the fun days of me working in radio. Probably one of the funnest uh, episodes I did was with um, Mike Keller and Jenny Matthews at the Q104 Morning Drive. Q104, a country radio station uh, morning show here in Kansas City, a station that I actually used to work at and left 10 years ago. I think it was about 10 years ago. That was a really fun conversation. We got to play some old radio bits on the air and, and kind of talk about the difference in radio where it was 10, 20 years ago to where, what it is today. Um, and so that was another one. I think that was episode four. We talk about Heartland Waterfowl. We actually, in episode, I'm going to screw this up now, episode 10, um, the original members of Heartland Waterfowl with Logan Burdett and Matt Westcote, uh, who are the three remaining original members of Heartland Waterfowl come in studio and kind of talk about the progression and where, how Heartland Waterfowl started and, and the progression that we have experienced in the last 10 years. So, um, but PTSD is another one. We had um, Nate Meyer, who is actually a member of Heartland Waterfowl on, uh, I think that was episode three, maybe it was five. Actually, I've got this open here. I could probably tell you more specifically. If I click on episodes, actually, let's just do that. Let me run down here. So episode one was my story, and I'm going to dive into my story here in just a little bit. So hang on. I want to get into a little bit because in episode one, I tell you the effects. I tell you the symptoms, the depression, the anxiety, the suicidal thoughts, but I never really got into why I was feeling that and what I experienced over the last two years that kind of took me down a dark path. In episode two, we talked about human trafficking. Goodness gracious, that was another very intriguing episode. episode. 
Sean Lucktill from Heartland Bowhunter joins me in studio because we're naturally promoting the Heartland premiere and the, and the charity golf classic, but we also bring in Dr. Rod, Rodney Hammer, who is the founder and president of the Restoration House of Greater Kansas City. And um, if you're just listening to this as the very first podcast of the Papa Rum podcast, you probably don't know that human trafficking is a very serious topic in the United States. And in fact, Kansas City is in the top five hubs of human trafficking in the entire country. Um, and so we get into, in that conversation, you know, the, the business of human trafficking, um, the business of pornography, and, and how the people on the other end who are performing the acts <laughs> to those who um, find gratification in pornography are victims of human trafficking. And so um, there's a lot of interesting information there. And I do know this, and I will promise this, that I am having Dr. Rodney Hammer back on the Papa Ron podcast in the very near future to get more in depth about um, the problem with pornography, the problem with human trafficking, and just all the little things and that we as parents can be looking out for uh, to keep our children safe. Uh, episode three, uh, that was an episode that I did uh, about um, personal development and that I did um, about, uh, um, gosh dang it, and now I'm drawing an absolute blank. I'm going to open this up here because this will tell me who my guest was. Um, Bobby Hines. Bobby, God, if you're watching, buddy, I just went blank on your name. Bobby Hines came in studio. So his brother uh, had committed suicide uh, a couple of years ago on New Year's Eve. And so he gets into the story of, of his brother Jared's depression and uh, his, his battle with addiction and alcohol and maybe even some drugs and, and just the mental illness and addiction side that kind of took his brother down a bad path to where he ultimately took his own life. And, you know, the reason for having this conversation is to bring light to it so that we can see the signs. Mental illness is such a, is such a big problem in today's society. And it's almost in some way shunned upon, like people don't want to talk about it. And if you are struggling with mental illness, then either people have given it a stigma like, oh, that, that person's gone mental, they're crazy. Or the person who's actually dealing with it feels like if they talk about it, people will look at them in that light. And so we talk about all of this stuff because it is serious. It's a problem. And as a society, we need to be more caring and more loving, um, have more empathy for, for other people and, and, because I have kind of experienced some of these things, um, it's important for me to bring light to it. And so Bobby was great in episode three coming in studio and, and sharing his brother Jared's story. And, um, and then, of course, I dive into something that is important to me and, and bringing some of the basic fundamentals to personal development. In episode four, that's where we talk to Jenny Matthews and Mike Keller from Q104. We talk a lot about country radio and just being authentic as, as a society, as people. Um, and whatever it is that we do, even in our career, uh, Nate Meyer is, uh, the, the person, a part of Heartland Waterfowl who served in the United States Navy and suffers from PTSD and has just recently, uh, come out about his struggle with PTSD, some of the symptoms, some of the anger issues, just all of the effects that he had with PTSD and the things that he's doing now to, um, to recover from that. Team Fidelis, Fidelis, I always pronounce that wrong. Team Fidelis is the next episode in episode six where we talk about um, humor, or, uh, PTSD. And that is an organization that, that brings those who are struggling 
from PTSD and brings camaraderie and just brings uh, awareness and and they, it's an organization that brings people together so that they don't have to feel alone with struggling from PTSD. And um, I really, what I really like about that episode is Daniel is the Marine who struggles with PTSD, but his wife, Kelly, so it's, and if you can't hear, there's noise going on in the background. I have the cleaners here cleaning the global headquarters of RP Enterprises. So I apologize for the noise in the background, but Daniel and Kelly Brazel of Team Fidelis, they come into the studio to talk about um, their story. And Daniel really open, he's an open book and he shares everything. And then they talk about the strain that that put on the marriage and then on the family to the point where Daniel was almost going to commit suicide. And thankfully um, he didn't. And Kelly was just happened to not go out of town that weekend to visit her family, stayed back when, when Daniel was planning to commit suicide. And that, that was the difference right there. And so there's a whole storyline to that. It's very deep. And that's the thing about the Papa Ron podcast is that I'm always going to challenge each show to get beneath the surface, kind of pull back the curtain and kind of understand um, this is not a fluff. I don't want to, it's not going to be about fluff, 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 you know, like let's get in and talk about real life stuff and find the root of some of these problems and how having this conversation could potentially be helpful to those who are listening or watching this podcast. So that happens in episode six, Team Fidelis, Life with PTSD. It's a great, great episode. I really enjoyed that conversation. We kind of mix it up a little bit. Um, I'm a big sports geek. So an old friend of mine who played in the NFL, a few years with the Kansas City Chiefs and later on with the Green Bay Packers, Mark Richter, who uh, actually is one of whatever it is, 16, 17 people who holds the record for a 99-yard reception for a touchdown. Uh, he had that pass thrown to him by Trent Green back in the day, and um, I think even in his rookie year with the Chiefs. So we talk about that experience, talk a lot about um, the NFL game. We talk about the AFC West because obviously a large part of my listening audience comes from the Kansas City Metro. We talk about the life of the NFL and just where the state or the um, the status of the NFL rather. And then we even get into some college sports and talking about the NIL name image likeness and um, it's just a kind of a little lighter, lighthearted uh, or less deep conversation. Although towards the end of that podcast, Mark gets into the struggle that he had with depression um, and some of these confusing emotions that he had, he had after leaving the NFL because life as a professional athlete and the glam, the glitz, the neon lights, the money, and then leaving and then just being part of normal civilian life, two drastic lifestyles. And it was a, and it was an adjustment time for him that he was trying to understand. And he struggled during that time. And he kind of shares that in the episode. Melissa Hagen uh, joins me in episode number eight. Uh, it's an episode called gut health and Br for brain health. And she is, um, so she's a mental health practitioner practitioner and she has a very holistic approach to healing uh, with whether it's, you know, anxiety or you know, depression and, and all those things that we talk about. So she talks about some of the different approaches that she has, and she kind of dives a little bit deeper, although trying very hard in her, you know, in her way to be scientific and kind of explain what's important in taking a holistic approach to uh, helping yourself with some of those symptoms. So it was a very uh, inform uh, informative podcast of an episode and I would encourage you to listen to that shortly after that that's when we we dive in again with uh, the Kelsey Smith story with their her parents Greg and Missy Smith followed up by 
Heartland Waterfowl and the episode called Behind the Blind. See, this is the problem when you do a podcast by yourself. You're doing all the talking and you never have any time to stop and take a drink. So let me get a drink of water here and we'll proceed. And the last podcast I did was with Travis Marvin, who is an old friend of mine. And I'm telling you what, I had a feeling that we were going to get deep into some of the personal struggles that Travis had. Um, he's a musician here in the Kansas City Metro, but is known regionally and even coast to coast because he's done some traveling and done shows across the country. But he really gets into some of the, um, what should I call it? He gets into what I would describe as what is distasteful to him about the record industry, the record label, the music industry, specifically Nashville. And he shares some experiences that I would have never guessed that he would have shared. And he lays it all out there. Now, it's his opinion. Uh, a lot, Some of it I agree with. I'm not saying I disagree with the others. I just am not as educated or informed to have an opinion. Some of it I do. And some of, them, some of it I agree with. But he, um, he also talks about Aaron Lewis. Of course, Aaron Lewis, remember the rock lead singer, or lead singer from the rock group uh, Stained? He was on tour with him recently in the last few years and basically kind of explains who Aaron Lewis is as a person, talks about his life and how he conducts his life. Anyway, needless to say, it's, an, it's a reason to watch that uh, episode because it gets way below the surface, more than I even figured it would. And I said watch this episode because I want to remind you that if you're listening to this, um, you can watch a video version of this podcast. It's available on Spotify and the Papa Ron Podcast YouTube channel. Otherwise, you can get this podcast on other platforms such as, um, well, of course, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, and CastBox. Okay. So I'm going to take a quick little break, and then when I come back, I'm going to dive into my story and kind of the things that I went through in those first two, in the last two years that got me to the state of being diagnosed of, with depression, and um, maybe that will give a little bit more clarity to why I was going through everything that I was going through. Also, a little bit later in the show, I kind of want to talk about what I am trying to do to get myself back on my feet, crawl out of this what I call is a six-foot COVID hole. That's coming up here in just a little bit. Thanks for tuning in to episode 12 of the Papa Ron Podcast. The Papa Ron Podcast is brought to you by the award-winning Heartland Waterfowl, airing now on Sportsman's Channel. Check heartlandwaterfowl.com for airtimes. The all-new season nine debuts in July on Sportsman's Channel. And don't forget about the new original series on the Heartland Waterfowl YouTube channel. Check it out and don't doubt the scouts. Now, back to the Pomeran Podcast. Here's Ronnie Phillips. Heartland Waterfowl is back on the air. Season 9, and hard to believe, I was talking about this earlier today, Season 10. We are about to leave in one month to go film Season 10 of Heartland Waterfowl. But Season 9 is out on the air now, brand new season, and it airs five days a week. We air 52 weeks a year. You can catch it some of the air times that you're most likely going to be able to catch it. And these are central times, Tuesday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Or uh, you might be able to catch it at Thursday mornings at 8.30 a.m. Or Saturday afternoon at 1.30 p.m. on Sportsman's Channel. Also airing on Sportsman's Channel Canada. Check your local listings for those air times. And you can also find new original content from Heartland Waterfowl on the Heartland Waterfowl YouTube page. <clears throat> okay, so... 
In episode one of the Papa Ron podcast, we bring in Dakota and Q, and we kind of talk about how we all know each other, being part of the production crew of Heartland Waterfowl. Uh, Then I tell my story, and that story starts off with me having a health scare um, when I had a panic attack on an airplane in Vegas before taking off to come back home, and me going to the doctor and sitting down with my doctor and kind of explaining everything that I was going through, and him basically looking me straight in the eyes with conviction, telling me, buddy, you don't, we don't need to take any blood tests, we don't need to do any CT scans or do any other weird, crazy prodding or probing, you've got depression and you need to get chemically balanced. And the reason that you are having these effects and these symptoms physically is because you've been internalizing all of the, the stress and the pain and, and everything involved for, you know, the last two years. And it's now physically taking over your body. And it wasn't just a panic attack. I had a, uh, this, this is just a crazy story, but it was a weird itching attack. Um, and this also happened in January, right before, um, I was actually, it happened as I was going to Wyoming to go film up a episode for Heartland Waterfowl. I was in the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska driving there by myself. And all of a sudden my whole body just starts itching. The entire body starts. I don't have any welts. I don't have any rashes. There's nothing going on. Other than I just can't, I mean, inner thighs, my shoulders, my armpits, you know, my chest, I mean, my neck behind my ears, everywhere, everything was itching, my calves, my feet, like I'm, I'm trying to put my car, my truck on cruise control and I'm taking off my shoes and I'm taking one foot to scratch the others. I'm driving down there. It was crazy. And it lasted three days and all of a sudden it was gone again. No welts, no, no rashes, no um, mites or (laughs) all the crazy things that you might think of when I tell that story. None of that. Anyway, so let's get into it. Um, What had happened, and this is truthfully all because of COVID, in my opinion. Now, we could argue that there's some spiritual thing going on here, some greater power that um, is knocking me up top side of the head. That's telling me to wake up and we can get into that. And I'm, and I'm willing to admit that that might or most likely part of it as well. Prior to COVID, my career was as good as it could possibly, well, maybe not as good as it could possibly be, but it was good as I ever expected it could be. And when I say that, when I left radio, whatever it was 10 years ago, <clears throat> And I started to do Heartland Waterfowl. My initial mindset was like, I don't care to make a lot of money. If I can replace my radio station salary, doing what I love, having ownership in something where I don't have to answer to anybody, I'm my own boss. I don't have to worry about only having 10 days of vacation to where I'm going to need 30 to go produce this TV show. You know, I, I can you know, work from home and, you know, just have the freedom. You hear it all the time. Like entrepreneurs will say, you know, like you can't put a price on your freedom. You just can't. Um, I, that was what my, that's where my mind was. If I can replace the radio station salary and, and work for myself and be able to travel the country to produce this TV show, then that for me would be, that's heaven, right? That's like, that's, that would be incredible. Well, what I had learned then after getting involved with this was that, man, you know what? Why am I limiting myself to just one source of income? I am my own person now. I am 
now an aspiring entrepreneur. And I hate even using the word entrepreneur because I think it's thrown around really loosely. You know, like, are you self-employed? Do you own the business? Is that considered an entrepreneur? I personally, I think it kind of does, but like what, I think there's also this stigma that if you aren't making a million dollars, then you, if you haven't built something to be multi-million uh, earning profit, then you're not an entrepreneur. So I'm just going to use the word self-employed, but I had this vision of creating multiple streams of income. And now why shouldn't I? You know, this job with Heartland Waterfowl is somewhat seasonal, although there are some off-season responsibilities, especially on my end for doing the business side and working the sales and marketing. I have this kind of freedom now to where I can venture and dabble in other things. And so I got involved in a few other things like network marketing, which that industry in and of itself has a horrible stigma. But I will tell you this, I learned a lot about personal development during that time. There are some good people and excuse me, network marketing. And I learned some basic fundamentals to personal development by doing that business. And I found out I was pretty good at it. So it gave me the confidence to know that, hey, I can do this sales thing. I learned some things from the experts in, in, on the sales side of network marketing. I learned some little things that helped me kind of parlay that experience and that knowledge to what I was going to do on the Heartland Waterfowl side. I got involved with another company where I was sounding, uh, selling branding materials, um, I think that I think it was called Performa. They, it's called something else today. Source Point maybe is the name of it. Um, where I basically, if you had a logo, I could put it on anything from a golf ball to a pencil to a hat to a polo. You name it. Like if you've got a business and you need your logo, your brand on something, I could sell it to you. And I did that for a little bit, made a little bit of cash. And I remember going to a guy. His name is Chris, who had a commercial cleaning business here in town. And he was friends of my, my wife and my wife's family. And, um, of course he's, he's a business owner, right? So naturally I'm going to approach him about, you know, this thing that I'm, this marketing software that I'm pushing with the network marketing company, but I'm also going to try to see if I, you know, Hey, can I sell you some hats some polos, some magnets, <laughs> whatever it is you want to put your logo on. And I remember him having that conversation with me. And I think we were in a Starbucks and he said, you know, Ronnie, um, I know I need to be doing all of these things that you're offering me, but I've got a director of business development who doesn't develop shit. And I think those were his exact words. And then he tells me, he goes, but I see what you're doing with Heartland Waterfowl. And, you know, humbly speaking, I had had some success with, you know, getting with some pretty big sponsors right out of the gate with Heartland Waterfowl, you know, with Remington and Yeti and Bass Pro Shops and Under Armour. Those are big names that within the first year or two were already signing on to do business with Heartland Waterfowl. And so he had seen this from a distance and was like, I think that you should be my director of business development for commercial cleaning concepts. Um, of course, at the time, you know, all I knew was radio and TV, knew nothing, nothing about commercial cleaning. And I told him that I was like, man, I don't know if I'm your guy. I, I don't have any experience in that. And he says to me, he goes, no, but you know how to fake it until you make it. And I laughed and kind of shook my head because it's true. I've never been, I've never been afraid to start something or try something, even if I didn't have it all figured out. In fact, one of the things I learned in network marketing was don't let, don't get, um, how does this go? It goes, don't get paralysis by analysis. That was the exact term. Don't get paralysis by analysis where you have to 
stop and read and watch and learn everything that you got to know before you go sell yourself. Some people just, they feel like, well, I got to make sure I understand and I got to know everything that's about, you know, everything about the product, everything about the service. And, you know, if it's not up to what I believe in, then, you know, I, I can't put my name on it. And I learned a long time ago, don't overthink that. Get the basics. Don't get paralysis by analysis. So I said, make me an offer. And a couple of days later, he had sent me an offer and it was a certain percentage. And I'm not going to give out those details out of respect for him, but it was a certain percentage of the corporate surplus. So if you can imagine to me, it's like kind of like having ownership in a business, like whatever this company makes as profit, I'm getting a certain percentage of, and it's a pretty hefty percentage, like really good, like really good. To the point where I'm stupid if I don't even try. Like I, I, I might fail at this, but I don't know if I don't try and it, it's worth it to me to try. Keep in mind, I'm still, you know, working from home. My daughter is basically a year old maybe at this point. I'm a stay-at-home dad. I'm trying to offset the, the cost of what it would be to have her go to daycare because I'm not making any significant income doing Heartland Waterfowl. And so the deal was, I said, look, I'll come and do this with you, but give me six months to kind of get my feet underneath me and get some accounts built. But I'm going to need you to give me about, I think it was 850 bucks a month, roughly right around there. Give me 850 bucks a month. That's not, I'm not going to spend that. That money is going directly to my daughter's daycare. Um, and he agreed to do that. And so probably three or four months into it, I haven't closed a deal yet. And I'm feeling the stress and I see the opportunity. I mean, this is like, I could be making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year if this thing really gets going and I can't close one deal. Well, before you know it, I get Top Golf, then we get Legoland, Sea Life Aquarium, Power and Light District, and then the thing really just takes off. Fast forward about seven years, I'm making more money than I ever fathom I was capable of making. I mean, well, well over six figures just on that one, one business. Keep in mind now, Heartland Waterfowl is continuing to grow. And then I'm dabbling around in some of this other stuff, some of these streaming boxes. And that's another little business called Little Black Box. You can reach out to me if you have any interest in that. But it's providing, you know, basically replacing cable TV or satellite TV and giving you all the content you can possibly imagine for just a minimal fraction of the cost. Um, anyway, so I'm dabbling around with all these businesses. Things are just going great. Well, as the director of business development, I was not able to forecast a global pandemic, but who could, right? And 90% of our business was in hospitality. So we were in a ton of different movie theaters, restaurants, driving ranges like Top Golfs, um, any of these entertainment facilities like Power and Light District, like we... We were, most of our business was east of the Mississippi, but we covered a lot of territory. I mean, from Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia. I mean, we were all across the East Coast, North, South. I mean, it was, we were doing well. And then the pandemic hits and all these businesses shut down. Well, if they're not getting clientele, if their business, if they don't getting traffic into the front door, they're not going to pay us to have our cleaners clean their facility. So, um, for about a year, you know, we're just kind of trickling along and we get this idea that I'm going to start this company as a complement, or as I should say as an extension to 
the, the cleaning business, which this business is then going to provide chemicals, cleaning chemicals, hand sanitizer, disinfectants, PPE, which stands for personal protective equipment. So like the gloves, the masks, you know, all the things that were popular back when COVID was in full effect. And so Chris, who owns Commercial Cleaning Concepts, goes in 50-50 with me to start commercial cleaning chemicals. And, you know, things went really well. He was focusing on the concept side, the, the cleaning side, because that was his baby. Um, but we were 50-50 partners because we were an extension of that brand and we already had a built-in clientele. And so my fear was, is that if let's say Power and Light District comes back to me and says, hey, you know, Ronnie, business has been shut down for about six months. We don't have the luxury or the budget to pay someone else to come in-house and clean our facility. So we're gonna have to do all of our cleaning in-house. But what if I can provide you chemicals cheaper than where you're getting it from the other person. I don't need to make money on the chemicals. I can provide that as an added value where you're getting it now cheaper to retain you as a, as a customer so that we can provide you our cleaning services. <clears throat> that was the mindset going in was like, how can I provide additional value so that I don't lose these guys as clients? Um, what I didn't expect was to run into the eco labs of the world who have all of these, you know, major contracts <laughs> and we always kind of work to the beat of the drum. Like we don't, per, we don't put anybody in a long-term contract because frankly, we feel like that if we're not doing what we say we're going to do or live up to the expectation, then we don't deserve to have your business. So we'll do month to month and we'll prove to you that we're going to deliver and we're going to perform month to month. And that gives you peace of mind and it holds us and our people accountable to perform. It didn't matter. Um, however, though, there was the opportunity to sell, I mean, drums and drums. I'm talking 55-gallon drums of hand sanitizer. I sold a lot of that. Sold a ton of personal protective equipment. Nitro gloves, masks, gowns, um, just all kinds of different PPE. And so I generated probably, I'm going to say to the tune of roughly $80,000 in profit just during that year. But as businesses were starting to open back up, it appeared then that, and this is where I have to be really careful because out of respect for him, I don't want to disclose information that could potentially, you know, you know, make him look bad or um, put him in a compromising position. But the, the short of the story is, is that financially he was in a position that he couldn't retain me as an employee anymore. And we're talking roughly $140,000 a year with that job. So, you know, you start making that kind of money, you start living a certain kind of lifestyle. And this was the first time that I had ever reached a level of that kind of success for it to be completely ripped away from me. Um, and it wasn't because I had screwed up. It was ripped away because of something that I couldn't control a global pandemic. Now we'll get into the spiritual side of that here in just a little bit, because there is another <clears throat> argument to that, but he decides, or we decide actually that, He's going to give me that 50% of the cleaning business. He's just going to hand it over to me. I mean, there has to be a small transaction for it to legally take place. But, and so we did that. I get 50% of the bunny and all of the profits that came with that company, because frankly, I'm the one who did all the selling. I ran that whole thing. Um, and he was going to move on doing his own thing by himself. And so that hurt. Um, it hurt my morale. It hurt my self-esteem. Uh, the, the chemicals thing, 
was slow to get launched and frankly is still slow to get going again. Um, we'll dive into that here in a little bit as well. <clears throat> but uh, I was, I was heartbroken and I was really good friends. I felt like I was really close to him, like really good friend, like just a, like he was my bro. Like one of those guys that he, aside from like business stuff, you got a personal thing you need to talk about. He's a guy I can talk to. I can trust. And for whatever reason, and I honestly don't know, I don't know what happened, but even with countless attempts, I feel like on my end to reach out to just say, Hey, how you doing? Hope all is well. If there's anything I can do for you, let me know. And he was always polite and um, respectful and replying, but it wasn't the same. It was pretty much, it felt like a divorce or a breakup. Like, okay, well, this, it was, it was great while it lasted, but it's over now. You're going to go in this direction and I'm going to go in this direction. And if I run into you, I'll say hi and shake your hand, but that's the extent of our relationship now. So there was that. Well, mix in with that. My son is born right around the same time. Um, we have our second child. Uh, I guess that would be February 4th of 2021. And I was let go a couple weeks before that in January of 21. And so now the sun is here and now I'm a 45 year old man trying to figure out how to be a parent to an infant again. Um, part of the, that, that whole mentality of being a stay at home dad, you know, I felt like I had graduated past that. I earned my keep. I busted my ass and made all this money. And now I don't have to worry about doing that stay at home dad stuff. We can pay somebody else to send him to daycare or whatever. And well, now I'm not making that same money. I'm making money. Don't get me wrong. I'm making, you know, I'm making some respectful cash, a modest income, but I'm nothing near to what I was making before. So I got to make some sacrifices again. And that was depressing. Um, there's a few other things that factor in there. You know, there, you know, whenever you start going through a lot of this stuff, then you, you know, it brings in stress with the family. And so then there's, Stress with, you know, the relationship with my wife and with my kids and, and all of that. And so, I, you know, I, I, you fast forward a little bit and then I, I run into a situation where I, I find out that um, my a family member, out again, out of respect for them, I don't want to disclose all the information, but a family member is struggling with something very, very serious physically. And it's, uh, we don't know what it is and it could be the worst of the worst, you know, we don't know. You know, but so we're going through it. So all that to say is that every time I took one step forward, something would happen in life for you. And I was getting hit again and having to take two steps back. You know, here I'm supposed to be looking down the road, focusing on the end goal. But every time I start looking on where I want to be and what I got to do to get there, I'm getting distracted because now I got to deal with this other BS here off to the side. And I can't go here until I fix this BS here. Well, the next day, okay, let's go. I'm going down the road. I'm getting ready to go there. Uh, nope. Hey, going to pull you back because you need to focus on this. And I just could never get the momentum to move him forward. So I'll wrap all this up because it's kind of, it's the story is getting long. But um, around January, this past January, um, my wife, calls me into the bathroom one morning. This would be the morning before I'm leaving to go to a trade show in Vegas. And this is where we get to the panic attack. And she says, um, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like I had a baby moving in me all night. Now keep in mind, we've already had the second child a year ago in February. Now it's the following January. And she thinks she's pregnant again. 
And I'm thinking, there's no possible way. I mean, the stars were aligned perfectly not to know. Um, first of all, you got to procreate for that to happen. And when you've just had a child, that kind of activity isn't happening a lot. Just being honest with you, right? There wasn't a whole lot of love and feeling going on, you know? So um, there's no reason to be concerned with that. Well, she's also breastfeeding for the last year. So because she was breastfeeding, there's no cycle. There was no menstrual cycle. So she didn't have any way of knowing. She wasn't nearly as big, you know, as she was. Well, let me, let me stop there because I'm going to ruin the story. Anyway, so she thinks she's pregnant. I'm thinking she's crazy because there's no way she can be. But I've got all of this other stress and all of these other emotions. And again, keep in mind, I'm a guy who's internalizing all of this stuff, all of this anger, this bitterness. I'm pissed off at the world. I'm pissed off at everybody. Like, I mean, I busted my ass and I did this and this, this COVID thing just screwed it all up. And now the guy who I was connected with, he doesn't give two shits about me. Like, he never calls. He never texts. He like, like, we're not friends anymore. Like, what did I do? Like, what am I doing wrong here? You know, I've got, I'm just full of negative energy, just pissed off at the world. And now I'm being told, hey, you're going to be a dad again. Wow, what the hell? You know, like, I'm not looking at it as a blessing. I'm looking at it as like, now this is another thing that's going to knock me up top side of the head and is going to present a distraction. It's going to pull me back from where I want to be. It's not a, it's not a blessing. It's a curse. So, um, go to Vegas and typically I'm the Vegas guy. I'm, I'm the the typical, you know, guy who loves to go to Vegas. I love to gamble. I love to wager and whether it's on sports or blackjack or Texas Hold'em, like I'm that guy. I love the nightlife. I love to socialize. And of course I'm there for an industry trade show. So I love to, you know, meet new people and, and reconnect with old people in the industry and have a good time. And 10 years I've been going to this trade show. That's how I've always conducted myself. And in this particular year, I'm just no, I have no desire, no desire to go out on the, the, the casino floor, no desire to, you know, party, drink, gamble, all of that stuff. No desire. Now I'm there to do a job, right? So I'm still waking up. I'm still going to the, to the trade show and I'm working the showroom floor and doing all the things that I'm you know supposed to be doing while I'm there. But at the end of the day, come four or five o'clock, no desire to go to dinner. All I want to do is go back to the hotel room and go to bed. All I do, I just want to sleep. I'm exhausted. I've been beat down and beat down and beat down. And I'm only really kind of hitting on the highlights. There's always a bunch of little tiny things where it just feels like, man, I can't catch a break. What is it going to be today? And it's always something. Every day there was something. Now it might be something this big, something really, really small and insignificant. But at the time, because you've just been keep getting beat up over and over and over again, it feels like it's much bigger, right? So I'm, I'm just mentally, physically drained. I don't have any desire to go out. Well, on the, on the day, I'm there for five days. I'm supposed to fly back. Again, feel fine. I got a good night's sleep. I got a boarding with Southwest. I get on the plane. I sit in the second row next to the window. So, you know, you're a boarding. So you got to wait for the rest of the damn plane to board, like <laughs> sitting there forever. So I'm just thumbing through my phone, social media, just waste, just killing time. As soon as the guy hits the middle seat, I go into a full-fledged panic attack. And again, I talk about this in episode one. Um, nothing wrong with that guy. There's no, uh, he's not, it's not like he's a fat, smelly guy. There's, he's a perfectly normal person. Nothing, nothing that would send me a signal that would, should make me feel anxious or 
have a panic attack. But I do. I mean, never. I've told some friends this before. I've never, I didn't say it on the podcast, but the only thing that I could compare this panic attack to was when I was in seventh grade and we're doing junior high football. And, you know, back in the day, it was probably major taboo now, but back in the day, it was nothing for the older kids to haze the younger kids. And so the eighth graders would haze the seventh graders and be like, okay, time to do a dog pile. Put the seventh graders on the bottom and then the entire eighth grade team's going to jump on top. Well, I'm at the bottom of the pile. Shoulder pads, hot as hell out. It's the beginning of the football season, right? So it's still 80, 90 degrees out there. We're practicing. And, you know, there's several kids all piled on. I mean, from the biggest of kids to the tiniest of kids, they're all piled on. I'm at the bottom of the pile. I can't breathe. I feel like my chest is caving in. I can't move. And I'm just trying to collectively, like I'm having just anxiety talking about it now because of that sensation, what it feels like. Like you're trying to just breathe as best as you can and keep it together because you know eventually everybody's going to get off the pile. That's exactly how I felt on that airplane. Except for I didn't, I wasn't able to control it like I did at the bottom of that dog pile when I was in seventh grade. That's his, seventh grade was the only time I had had this sensation since being on that plane. So I stand up, I ask the guys next to me to move. I go up to the flight attendant and say, ma'am, I'm freaking out. I'm having a panic attack and I don't know why. She's like, well, step off the plane for a second. We're not leaving for a little bit. I just, I'm right there at the end of the shoot. I'm shaking. <sighs> like, this is how I'm breathing. And now I'm also freaking out inside because I know I got to walk back on this plane. (laughs) And all I can think of is the worst that everybody on that plane is going to be sitting there holding their cell phones up like this. Who's the crazy guy at the front of the plane? Let's get it on camera so we can post it on our Facebook or Twitter. I'm thinking I'm going to be the crazy guy that's going to be going viral on everybody's social media pages. Thank God that didn't happen. But, um, she basically switches me out with the person who was sitting right behind me in the aisle seat. He's an older gentleman and I, God bless him. I'm glad he did it because for whatever reason that gave me the space and the comfort to make me not feel as claustrophobic and just give me some peace of mind. But I'm flying back on, and I'm thinking, man, I had this weird itching attack. I've got this fatigue. I've got this irritability. I hate my life. Sometimes I feel like it's best if I'm dead, you know, like I, uh, something is wrong. I'm thinking maybe I got COVID. You know, they say that fatigue is a symptom of COVID. So I'm thinking maybe that's what it is. So I get back and I'm in my truck and I'm driving home and it's the middle of the afternoon. And my wife calls me and she says, Hey, can you pick up Reagan? Who is our daughter? Can you pick her up from school? Yeah, sure. No problem. I'm driving there and I actually, I've already told my wife about the panic attack and now I'm telling my, I'm on the phone on my way to the school, to pick up my daughter and I'm on the, on the phone with my next door neighbor. Who's one of my best friends. His name is Todd. And I'm telling him, I'm like, dude, something's going on. Like I just had this weird panic attack. And <clears throat> so he's like, oh yeah, just go to the doctor, get it checked out, see what's going on. Don't think anything else of it. Drive into the school, get parked all of a sudden. Cars are pulling up. Like, there's two lines, right? Like, you get in there, you're in line. All the cars are in line. Once you're in line, there's no getting out of the line. You're stuck. All this, and, and I had done this, God, who knows how many times I picked up my kid from school and been in the line, been stuck, never had any fear or concern. How, oh my God, how am I going to get out of here? I'm trapped. 
Never had the feeling of trapped before. All of a sudden, I'm feeling trapped again. I'm having a panic attack again the same day. Now, it wasn't nearly as bad. I was able to roll down the window, get some air, start breathing. I was able to get over it and move on. But I'm like, what the is happening here? So then go to the doctor and um, he gets, tells me, look, man, you've been internalizing all of these fail, you know, the feeling of failure, the feeling of shame. That was the, a lot of the stuff that I was going through too. Like, you know, I've always been recognized in my circle as someone who's very driven, very goal oriented, somebody who, you know, when I say I'm going to do something, it may not happen tomorrow, but by God, I'm going to accomplish that goal. You know, I had said, told people for a couple of years, I want to, I'm going to have a waterfowl hunting show. I'm going to have a TV show. Now, how I get there, way I do it, how I do it, I don't know, but I'm going to do it. And I earned a lot of respect from people, you know, my peers, because, you know, Roddy's the guy. He says he's going to do something. He's going to do it. Well, now, you know, I've put this pressure on myself because I've created this stigma that, you know, Ronnie's this successful person. Before, I didn't give a damn what anybody thought. I didn't care what anybody thought about me. I was going to do me. I was going to beat to my own drum to hell with anybody else. But now I care what people think because look at the success I've had. And now I'm, I'm losing my job. I'm losing respect. I'm losing money. When I say I'm losing respect, I think I was fearful that I was losing the respect. I probably wasn't really necessarily losing the respect, but it's what's going on, playing these psychological games in my head. And I'm just feeling an overwhelming amount of shame, just like I am a loser. Everything I touch, everything I do, it's falling apart. Now, the spiritual side of this is that I was probably a little too big for my britches during that certain part in time. Once I had gotten to a certain level, I had made that success. Look at what I did. I did that. I'm the one who built that. I'm the one who sold that. I'm the one who was getting all of this money. I did it myself. And here's the truth. If you're a Christian, you you didn't do nothing. Like You put in the hard work. But that's not yours, it's God's. Then was I, was I paying attention to God? Was I paying attention and being grateful and showing my gratitude and waking up every day, praying to him, thanking him for all the many blessings? No, I wasn't. Now, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this, but it's definitely something that I have sat back on and reflected, said I've, I've apologized for, you know, I've asked for forgiveness. But as a Christian, you know, we have to do a better job of recognizing that like, All of this stuff, all this material stuff, money, all the fame, whatever, you know, all of that is a blessing of God. If God wants us to have that, God gives that to us, puts us in the position. Now, he puts us in the position to take it, you know, to, to recognize what is being offered and then to do something good with it. And I think I did do that, but I didn't appreciate him for it. I wasn't saying thank you. I wasn't praying to him. I wasn't even talking. I didn't even realize. I mean, I'd go to church every once in a while and I would be involved on Sundays. As soon as Sunday's done, you know, like it's back to me, back to getting to work on Monday, make that money, make some more of it, which I don't have any, there's nothing sinful or wrong about that. I don't think, I mean, maybe be a preacher or a priest would tell me differently, but I don't think there's anything wrong with having goals and pursuing to be the best you can possibly be. But what are you doing with it after you got it? And that's where I probably could have been better. And so I, maybe there is a lot of God hitting me up over the top side of the head and saying, hey, buddy, you've lost focus here. You need to wake up because this is not what's going to get you to heaven. So anyway, uh, after getting to the doctor, 
and, and finding out that I had depression and anxiety and, and basically did not have the capacity to fix my problem on my own to where I was going to need to get chemically balanced and I needed to finally get over the shame and just open up and talk about it. And I'm telling you, if you get anything from listening to one podcast or this particular episode, if there is one thing that I've learned in the last two years that I love to echo because it is so important, do not internalize emotions that you can't control because it is destructive. And when I mean destructive, it will take you to a dark place that will feel like the point of no return. That's where I was. And so once I began to open up about it and and talk to a few friends, I learned that, you know what, all of this shame and all of the things that I was feeling that I felt like was going to hold me back, or it was actually not hold me back. How do I explain that? All of the shame that I was feeling, if I felt like if I shared all of this, then I was going to lose respect or credibility with the people who were looking up to me, you know, like they were going to look up, Ronnie's gone mental. He's gone crazy, you know, to keep him at arm's length. He's going to bring you down. I've always talked about being a product of your environment, you know, put yourself around positive people, successful people. You'll be a product of that environment. Well, if I start bitching and complaining and look at me, look, everything has been taken from me. Well, then I'm, I'm going to bring people down. So why would I want to bring those people down? The people in my circle who are successful doing well, if I talk to them about my failures, what felt like failures, I'm going to bring them down. And what I learned was, is I was an idiot, stupid, 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 like it's probably being a little harsh on myself, but man, do people love me? Man, people love me. People love you. I love people. I learned a lot about empathy. I learned that I could be better in empathy. I learned that there's a lot of people out there who have empathy and they don't get credit for it. And I got with a few guys that lifted me up and said, and Dakota's one of them. Dakota Q, Nate Meyer, the three people that day on that particular hunt uh, with Heartland Waterfowl where it's a rainy morning, birds weren't flying, it was cold. There was a time in the, in the blind where it got quiet. And so I just felt this pulling in my heart. Guys, I got to let you know something. Not only am I suffering from depression, but, oh, this is the part I didn't tell in the story. My wife, who was pregnant, when she went and got checked, she found out she was seven months pregnant. Seven months pregnant. We got two months. So again, whapsh. Not only is she pregnant, surprise, you're pregnant. But, hey, you've got two months to prepare for it. Stars were aligned perfectly for us not to know. She wasn't nearly as big at seven months as she was with the first two kids. She didn't have any symptoms of pregnancy aside from fatigue, but Hey, she's fatigued anyway, because we just had a kid. We just had a baby. He's less than a year old, less than a year old. We found out in, he was born in February. We found out in January, the following January, we're having another kid 11 months later. Whew. So again, all of these hits. So um, Hey guys, surprise. Um, my wife is pregnant. I know we just had another kid, but we are having another one and it's going to be here in two months. And I just got diagnosed with depression and anxiety. So that's when Dakota said, look, bro, I've been telling you for three months that you need to do this podcast and I'm going to help you do it. And so here we are. Here we are today. And so in the process of all of that, I started a few business ventures. We're going to get into that here in just a little bit. But I wanted to give kind of a a background of all of the symptoms and all of the things that I experienced that led me to the depression and the anxiety and the suicidal thoughts and just the feeling of complete worthlessness, uselessness, and failure. 
but we're on the men and we're having some fun with the Papa Ron podcast. So I come back and I'll tell you about these ventures that I'm doing now. We're going to wrap this up on episode 12 of the Papa Ron podcast. The Papa Ron podcast is brought to you by Dumar Solutions. Dumar Solutions, offering affordable chemical and PPE solutions for any industry, automotive, industrial, manufacturing, concrete, and asphalt construction. Also offering kitchen cleaners, corrosion control, and specialty coatings, detergents, cleaners, and degreasers, laundry care, floor care, odor control, personal hygiene, and much more. Do more with Dumar. Inquire with any of your needs at DumarSolutions.com. That's D-O-M-A-R-E solutions.com. Now back to the Paparon podcast. Here's Ronnie Phillips. Again, you can catch the Pop Around podcast on a variety of different podcast platforms. And you would really like to encourage you to watch the video version of this podcast. It looks a little bit different this time because there's just one camera that's stuck on me. But it's really cool when we got people in studio and you get to kind of see the conversation unfold right for your very eyes. And you can see that on Spotify or the Pop Around YouTube channel. All right. So um, I kind of talked about the chemical, com- the, the chemical company um, that man, that that's been a tough business to launch. It's been tough getting, getting things going with that. Uh, Dumar solutions was the new DBA. So when we started chemical commercial cleaning chemicals, um, it was under a parent name, which is BNI enterprises. And then I had to change the DBA from commercial cleaning concept. I'm sorry, commercial cleaning chemicals to Dumar solutions. Uh, <clears throat> that can be hard to understand from a pronunciation standpoint because it's spelled Dumair, D-O-M-A-R-E, solutions.com. Um, if you are involved in any business, Dumar Solutions is the perfect business to work with because we provide a complete catalog of chemicals that anything from A to Z. I mean, anything from hand soap to antifreeze. And if we can't, or let me rephrase that, if we don't have what you're looking for, and our catalog, we can customize something perfect for your business. So think about whatever business it is. It could be something as simple as the office where you need cleaning chemicals. We got all those. It could be industrial manufacturing. We've got all of that. It could be automotive. We've got all of that. So uh, I encourage you to check it out. If you are involved in it's uh, a new business, that's only about a year old, I guess, just about a year old. Oh, and also offering PPE still. Still have a source that provides me the PPE, be it the nitro gloves, the masks, the gowns, or anything that you need uh, to keep your body protected um, from COVID. <laughs> Not really COVID. It's such a joke. But anything else in, in any industry you might be working in. Now, in the process of starting the Paparon podcast, that's where... Um, just noticed my microphone was really low. Sorry about that. And in the process of starting the Pop Around podcast, I had to buy all this equipment. All right. I got the new microphone. I got to get microphones for my guests. I got to get a new board, a new sound equipment. And so I'm getting all this stuff. And I'm like the old radio energy starting to come back. Like, man, I, I can do this. I wasn't the greatest radio personality in the world. I was decent, decent enough to get to Kansas City, which is like market 30-ish or somewhere in there. Um. I can do this. I can host a podcast. You know, the other things I can do, I can do production. I can do commercial production. I can do station imaging. Hell, I can even do voiceover stuff. Well, you know what else I can add to that? I can do MC services. I've emceed so many things from concert events to weddings to charity events. You name it, I've emceed damn near 
anything you can possibly imagine. Oh, I could offer that as a service well. Then it propelled to, you know what? I bet with today's technology and with the, you know, with the, where radio stations are going with today's technology and even where it was at 10 years ago when I left, I bet I could do a radio show right here from my house. I could voice what's called voice tracking when you're pre-recording these shows. You're basically going into the radio from, from the internet, from your computer. You're going, you're tapping into the radio station system and they've got all of the music pre-scheduled and they've got audio tracks that are scheduled in between the songs where you're supposed to talk. It's predetermined. And so you just go into the system, you go into the log, okay, this is where I'm supposed to record, hit record, start doing the break. You're in this, you're in, you're out. You just record a five hour show within 30 to 40 minutes. Before you know it, old friend of mine named Chuck Weldon or Chuck Wagon as he goes by on the air, he sees that I'm doing this podcast. He sees that I've got all this equipment. He's like, hey man, would you be, do you have any interest in getting back into radio? I'm like, eh, not really. What you got? He's like, well, our night guy, he just had a stroke. He can't, can't talk. He's got to go through months of rehabilitation before he even thinks about being on the radio again. We need, we need a new, a new night guy. You want to voice track it from your place? I'm like, well, we'll talk about it. Sure enough, we start talking. We start talking numbers and, you know, the experience. And they want me and I want to give it a try. Boom, right there. Because somebody on my team who loves me pushed me to do a podcast to get me out of the funk that I was in, which then led me to get the equipment that I needed, which led me to taking a picture just to say, oh, cool, look at this piece of equipment I just bought. Put it on social media. Oh, my gosh, look at what you're doing. Hey, you want to voice track this radio show, this radio station up in northern Missouri? Yeah, let's do it. Which then puts me in a position to where I could voice track other small radio stations across the country. So anyway, paparonradio.com. That's it right there. Paparonradio.com offering, you know, like I said, voiceover work, commercial production, MC services, uh, radio station voice tracking, that and so much more. You'll see it all there. Uh, If you've got a brand, I can even do, when I talk about voiceover, this could be like as simple as, hi, thank you for calling Dumar Solutions. To speak to Ronnie, press one. You know, like... (laughs) It doesn't just have to be a TV or radio commercial. It could be a voiceover for anything. It could be an instructional video, a a audio book or um, something educational. I think I said educational or instructional video. Anyway, we'd love for you to check that out. This is where we're going to kind of wrap up this podcast because I would be remiss if I didn't tell you about everything that I'm going through and what it is that I'm trying to do to crawl out of this six-foot COVID hole. And of course, um, I talked about the streaming boxes, little black box. We've got this really cool device that is going to allow you to get any TV channel you can possibly imagine. I'm talking about the premium channels. I'm talking about the pay-per-views. I'm talking about getting video on demand of your favorite TV shows. I'm talking about movies. I'm talking about watching it on your on your TV at home. I'm talking about putting the app on your phone to where you literally have every single TV channel that you can imagine. Every single sports game, pro sports, college sports, every single TV show, TV network, you don't miss anything because you can put it right here on your phone and your TV. And we offer it at a very, 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 very affordable price. And then, of course, Heartland Waterfowl, as I mentioned moments ago, it's back on the air. And uh, we're getting ready to go film season 10. So this is going to uh, wrap up episode 12 of the Papa Ron podcast. But I just wanted to use this opportunity to dive a little deeper into all of the different episodes that we've had over the last 12 weeks. 
13 weeks, whatever it's been. Encourage you to listen to the Juice podcast. I'll be on with Dakota and Q later tonight. Uh, I imagine that podcast will come out in the next two days. Again, it's called The Juice, The Juice podcast. Go check it out. You can hear me and, and talking with them probably about a variety of different things. Uh, I want to thank all the different guests that I've had on the show. Um, Matthew Blades, who was used to work at Mix 93.3, currently resides in um, Phoenix, Arizona. Learn from those who lived it is his podcast. Learn from those who've lived it. He's, got, he's a mental wellness advocate. Awesome dude. Awesome dude. So freaking talented. Been a fan of Matthew Blades for many years. Hoping to have him back on the, this podcast as well. And that should be coming in the near future. Um, Rodney Hammer from the Restoration House. Sean Luchtel from Heartland Bowhunter. Uh, Bobby Hines. Um, from his organization called You Matter. Um, also, Mike Keller, Jenny Matthews from Q104, Nate Meyer from Legendary Stone, also Heartland Waterfowl, um, the Brazels, uh, I'm going to screw this up, uh, Daniel, thank you, sorry, Daniel and Kelly Brazel from Team Fidelis, a great organization helping out with those who are suffering from PTSD, Mark Bo Richter, formerly of the Kansas City Chiefs, now doing some radio, sports radio on 810 WHB. Also, Melissa Hagen out there in Vegas, who is a uh, mental health practitioner. Uh, Greg and Missy Smith, the parents of Kelsey Smith, who came in and shared that deep, deep, dark story about their daughter. Um, and then, of course, Logan Bird at Matt Westcote, who came in from Heartland Waterfowl to kind of talk about the last 10 years of HW. And then the last episode that I had with Travis Marvin, who came in and shared his story of success in the music industry and some of the uglier things in the industry that he didn't like and they felt like were distasteful. It has been a heck of a ride. I continue to want to do more. I've got more uh, veterans, uh, gold, uh, what, or, um, what did they call that? He's a, some sort of mental winter winner in the military. I'm going to not medal of honor or or valor. Was it medal of valor? Uh, anyway, I've got some really cool people that are going to come back on the show and, and some new guests in the near future, but just thank you to all of you who have taken the time, made this podcast part of your weekly routine. Some of you, um, are really good friends, but many of you are just acquaintances. And some of you I've never met in my life who have reached out, and have told me how much you enjoy this podcast. And just let me tell you that this podcast, again, was designed to be medicine for me, but as I was discovering what what it was doing for others, it humbled me to be more vocal, to be more of an advocate, to be more open about my story in hopes that it might help other people. And the thing that I always strive for this podcast is that it is 100% authentic. No fake, no fluff, no BS. What you see is what you get from the heart, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. I, no matter who my guests are, they might have an opinion that I don't agree with, but that's their opinion. It's from their heart and same for me. And so that's what you're going to get with the Papa Ron podcast each and every time is 100% authenticity. Thanks again to Rick Hunter and Tucson for being the voice of the Papa Ron podcast. And then, of course, Rich Donovan out there in San Diego for producing, uh, or I'm sorry, San Francisco for producing the imaging elements. Dakota Thurn, Quentin Verlinick, Marathon Media Management. Appreciate you guys as well. And thank you for listening or watching to the Papa Ron podcast. See you next time. You've been listening to the Papa Ron podcast. 
you enjoyed this show, hit subscribe now and tell your friends on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and other social platforms. To participate on the show, leave a message with your comments or questions by calling or texting 816-558-6389. That's 816-558-6389. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Papa Ron Podcast. Papa Ron Podcast. Oh.